Welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast, where each month we're exploring what it means to be a godly leader in our homes, workplaces, and communities. We want to be a resource for men who are seeking spiritual leadership principles so that they can live and lead differently in all aspects of their life. This initiative is not just about reaching, but equipping men for Christ. As always, listen to the end to hear our guest answer our favorite question, what do you want your legacy to be? And we hope our conversations will help you answer that question yourself and better equip you to pursue it for God's glory. Now this week's episode. Well, hey guys, welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast. And this is a special day because this is the last Men's Leadership Network podcast. And I can't believe it, but it has been an incredible journey and so many great things. That's what we're going to talk about. I'm sitting here with John Simons, who is our men's pastor here at Rolling Hills and also leading out with verses. And so we're talking about kind of a transition today as we continue to pour into men and disciple men to be the godly leaders that God created us to be. And uh, man, there's so many challenges that come at men all the time. And for us to stay strong because the impact of a man, right? As we've talked about here at Men's Leadership, you impact a man for Christ. Man, you're not only impacting his life, you're impacting a marriage, you're impacting a family, you're impacting a company, you're impacting a church, and you're impacting generations. And so that's what we've been about here at Men's Leadership, and that's what we're about at Versus and at Rolling Hills. And so I love being on this journey with you guys. So let's talk about it today. Jeff, I'm so grateful and privileged that uh, to, to jump on almost as a guest host for this last uh, grand finale uh, and turn the tables on you a little bit. Uh-huh. And so you get to uh, be in the hot seat. And so when you when you said that out loud, yeah. this is the final episode, Jeff, what emotions come to mind? Well, I think a couple of things. That's a great question, John. Um, I, I would say one joy. I mean, you know, it, it, goodness, I think we started in 2015 with men's leadership. And and I still remember it was a defining moment. I was talking with a guy and he was reading GQ. And, uh, and I was like, hey, man, what are you reading? And he's like, well, where else are you going to get help with men's issues? And he's like, the church doesn't really talk about it. And I was like, man, right through the heart, you know, and I thought, whoa, we got to do something. And so it was out of that conversation that we said, hey, let's let's start a podcast and uh, let's start really addressing issues that men deal with and men face because they're different, right? I mean, women have their own issues, and uh, but men, we've, we've got issues that come at us all the time. And so uh, I, I just think joy, I mean, these last, you know, eight years, we've just seen God transform men's lives. Uh, I was talking to a guy the other day, he's like, I've listened to every one of the podcasts in 113 episodes, okay? And so, and I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. It's an amazing history. I mean, praise the Lord. Uh, but just hearing the spiritual growth, um, seeing so many marriages have been saved, literally uh, seeing guys who've come to know the Lord, seeing guys who've reprioritized their lives and their ministries. So I think a lot of joy out of that. I think, too, a lot of excitement, because I think— uh, now as we transition to verses and what God's done the last couple of years with verses has been incredible. I mean, with Tebow and uh, Mike Fisher and Ryan Smith, and now seeing the verses Bible studies that are coming out, the curriculum that's coming out. So having you here, John, I think is a godsend. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. So I feel like, you know, it's a continuation on of what God has started uh, but man, impacting men's lives is, is something I'm passionate about. Let's let's think all the way back on this and kind of revisit the history of MLN. Is there anything that, when you think of some really key episodes, what comes to mind? Some guests that you thought to yourself, this is a divinely appointed moment, and I probably won't ever for, uh, forget this. Yeah, I mean, there's so many uh, that you look. I, I, one, I think 
Bill Lee announcing he's running for governor on the Men's Leadership Network podcast was pretty special because it was a God moment. I mean, like he wasn't planning to announce that, you know, and uh, and then when we were in the conversation uh, and he was just talking about the calling that God had on his life to impact uh, more people for Christ. And he just kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to run for governor. And I mean, it was this moment of like, whoa. And he's like, I didn't really mean to say that, but you know, here he goes. <laughs> and he did, and he's yeah. won. And yeah. twice, I mean, and he's led our state in such an incredible way. And what a godly man and a servant when he was president of Lee Company and now seeing him uh, lead on a statewide level and even a national level. So that was powerful. Uh, I think having Jimmy Gentry on, you know, I mean, what an incredible man of God in our own community, and they're putting a statue up of, of him. Uh, but, man, him talking about those stories of World War II going in uh, and being the first in to liberate that concentration camp and and just him saying, I haven't even talked about these things in, in my life, and the expressions on people's face when he came in, uh, and praise God for that liberation. But I can't even imagine he's carried this for so long. And thinking about the freedom that we have in Christ and him as a strong believer and wanting to share Christ and wanting us um, to be, you know, called to even do more for the glory of God. Uh, you know, I think about Tim Corbin winning the College World Series at Vanderbilt and then him sitting down talking about shaping young men's lives for him. It w- he, he's an incredible coach. I mean, that guy. Uh, but for him, you know, it wasn't just about winning. It was always about how can I raise up men? How can I help them? Uh, become, you know, leaders in their families and their communities and their churches. I mean, that was powerful. So, you know, Mike Fisher, obviously, uh, man, just his integrity, his character, uh, you know, his leadership as the captain of the Predators, but his faithfulness to being at church. You know, he'd play a game in the West Coast and get home at three in the morning and be at church at, you know, for the 930 service. Just priorities for him. And, uh, and seeing that play out in his life. I mean, there's just so many. And, um, you know, I mean, having counselors on, politicians on, athletes, musicians, uh, people at the height of their career, but all coming back to Jesus Christ being the Lord and Savior of their life. And how can I use the influence God's given me and the opportunity God's given me to further God's kingdom? That's It's incredible. It really mm. is when you think about the history. Are there any big takeaways that you've learned personally that is is through, like almost like a through line through these stories and these lessons that these guys have shared that, um, and we can jump into also kind of hitting too on your next season of, of going into a podcast. Um, if you'd like to touch on that, that you'll take even into that. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many episodes and these overarching themes, I think of these stories, you know, whether it was, you know, Dave Anderson, top gun pilots or, uh, people, Metro police officers or, uh, you know, business owners. I mean, guys who own huge companies and and uh, and oversee hundreds or thousands of employees. Uh, it's been powerful to listen. But you know, I think one word that keeps coming up is intentionality, being intentional. And you know, there's so many distractions in this world for guys today. I mean, all of us. I mean, whether it's sports or and, and all these things are fun and they're fun or activities or pleasures or vacations or trips, but. But if you're really going to accomplish things, you got to be intentional. You got to know what God's called you to do, and you got to stay on point on that. And that that word keeps coming up over and over again. Uh, I, I think, and you know, another word that just has come up over and over again uh, has been intentionality, but also accountability. You know, we talk about it at verses a lot. Don't go alone. You know, don't go alone. But guys who surround themselves with godly men 
uh, are the ones who really make a huge difference and a huge impact. And we're taught in our culture in the United States that, man, you know, you do it yourself, make it happen on your own. You don't need anybody else. And that's the biggest lie that Satan wants to tell men all the time. Amen. And man, when, when you get separated from guys, you stop coming to church, you know, you're so busy doing your job, you're doing your thing. You, you, Satan's just isolating you. That's what he's doing. He's isolating you in your marriage. He's isolating you from your family. He's isolating you and you're vulnerable. And, you know, God's word says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that's what he does. And then you watch these mighty men fall. And you go back and you study history and you're like, dude, these guys who were at the top of their game, whether it was in politics or sports or business, and you just see they have an affair or gambling or, you know, these issues that just knock them down. And they don't come back. And Satan's like, I won. I won. And, you know, so for godly men, stay the course, stay faithful, but get men around you. And I think that's been powerful to hear these guys talk about that, man. I was in a tough spot, but man, this guy came in at the right time, you know, where I prayed and God brought somebody in. But the relationship with the Lord, being intentional with what God's called you, and uh, surrounding yourself with godly men are three things that I think keep coming back. It's interesting you say that because I wonder in your own story, Jeff, how much has MLN for you oh, yeah. been a huge part of that that level of you you're meeting with leaders consistently? Yeah you're relational with them, you're sharing life. And so how much of this podcast in and of itself mirrors some of your growth in, in your development as a pastor, as a leader? And can you can you expand a little bit more on that of, you know, your your takeaways on both the personal and professional level that this, this podcast has had? Yeah, I mean, it really has. You know, they say, you know, when you teach, you're the one who learns more, you know? So yeah. it's been fun for me because not only have a lot of these guys that we've interviewed have been friends, but they've also been people I've learned from, you know, uh, people who I've looked up to. And and it's powerful to be able to sit down with people and have conversations, not only on the episode, but then, you know, before and afterwards. But I, you, if you're, whatever field you find yourself in, whatever position, always be a lifelong learner, always be learning. And there's so much you can learn from other men who are out there doing things. Uh, I remember Drew Maddox talking about uh, the impact of a man you know, and not only in the boardroom, on the ball field, but also in the bedroom, you know, and those those three areas have just kind of always stuck with me. You know, your, your boardroom, yeah, your workplace, uh, but on the ball field and, you know, my kids play sports and a lot of guys, you kind of grow up playing sports or you're around kids. Man, how do you respond as a, as a father, as a coach? But man, how do you respond in those areas of influence? And then in the bedroom, what do you do, you know, with your marriage? And how do you do that and have a healthy marriage? And you know, I remember Barney's self talking about, you know, the importance of intimacy and sex. And we had Amy Alexander from Refuge Center on here. Uh, and, you know, for guys, that's that's a big deal, you know. But, man, a woman is more emotionally stimulated. So as a guy, you can, you know, want to have sex all the time. But, if, you know, if you're not taking <laughs> yeah. care of her and yeah. meeting her needs and loving her the way she needs to be loved, it's going to be a lonely time. So, you know, you've got a responsibility in that, too. So just these different areas of life, you know, and I think I get caught up in, in church world and in ministry and it's awesome. And I, you know, listen to podcasts and read a lot of books and, you know, but man, to have people outside of that who can talk about, you know, being a boss and employees and how you love and how you serve and how you develop a great work culture and a healthy environment, having guys talk about, you know, sports teams and coaching. And I mean, it, you learn from all areas and, you know, truth is truth. And, when you have godly men who are leading in different areas, I love learning from that. So that's been 
it's been powerful for me, you know, and it really helped sharpen me as a leader, as a husband, as a father, and I pray, you know, even as a man after God's heart, you know. I think that's what, it's such a standout characteristic of you, Jeff, that, mm. like, it's funny how so much of this podcast has mirrored who you are in some ways, in the sense of, uh, you know, you think of senior pastors, and it's what's kind of the, the the darker side of ministry is senior pastors tend to be really lonely mm -hmm. because sometimes they can't always take refuge in the same ways that other other uh, maybe mid-level pastors can at larger churches and you've you have found yourself with a good group of men around you and can you can you even just talking to that point how has um, loneliness affects mo most men um, but even a senior pastor at your level it's almost like a CEO level how has this helped shape that desire in you to to fill that void uh, in your life? Yeah, it is. You know, they say it's lonely at the top or whatever. And, you know, I think it's a challenge for all men. I, I think you know, I was reading an article the other day just about the pandemic and the influence on everybody's life, but the loneliness that has come out. And I think as pastors, we saw that coming through the pandemic. We said this is going to be the pandemic next is is loneliness and how people respond and re-engage. We, we were just talking about that, how people, school's gone online, you know, everything's online, but they're feeling more and more isolated. But you do that in whatever job, whatever role you're in. And, and I think if you're not intentional to get men around you, and if you're not um, even confident enough in your own walk with the Lord to be able to open up and be real. And I think for guys, we struggle being authentic or being saying, hey, I'm going through a struggle, or I'm going through a challenge. And so, you know, five years ago, we uh, started a Bible study with just, with just men, and, and uh, you know, we've got these 12 guys that, you know, you, you disciple them, but they also challenge you and encourage you. And iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And having those guys, but to be real, you know, and to say, hey, man, I'm struggling here with, you know, my kids, or it's, it's a challenging time or a challenging season, or I'm struggling— with whatever. And I think for men, you've got to have that. And for me, I've just seen enough examples of people, like I said, you know, I mean, we've watched generals, we've watched presidential candidates, we've watched people at the top of their level just fall. And you're going, man, they, they didn't have anybody around them. You know, they didn't have anybody speaking into them and saying, hey, this is danger. We've seen pastors, major pastors. And you think they didn't get into this going, Hey, one day, you know, I'm going to... Let me have a public fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the furthest thing from their mind. So how does that happen, right? It, it's the slow drip. It's the slow movement away from the Lord, your personal time with the Lord. You've got to keep it. You've got to value that more than... You just, you got to hold that. And then you've got to prioritize because life gets busy. I mean, there's something all the time. And, you know, it the, the demands, the requests, the needs, it, it comes at you nonstop. And it is hard, and it and sometimes you just want to put your head down and just plow through it, and you got to go. No, wait a minute. God's sovereign; He's in control. He's going to take care of this. How do I stay healthy in the middle of this? So. And, and that seems like you know one of the I think the church's greatest call right now is to help is to help people not be a consumer in the church, but yes. belong to the church. Yes. And when you belong, on. you're willing to sacrifice for yep. it. You're willing to sit there and say. I'm going to join a men's group even when it makes me uncomfortable. Right. I'm going to join a community group even when it makes me uncomfortable because yep. I probably will just sit there. Well, when you f start to actually feel like you're belonging and you're seen and you're known and you're valued in a community, you realize 
no, people want to hear my voice. Yeah. They want to get to know me. Mm. And and oftentimes, I think that exudes, that has to be a culture set by the senior pastor down, mm. that it's worth it to belong. And so, you know, when you think about belonging for our church, Jeff, like, how, I mean, you have already you have already hinted at it greatly in your own walk, but like the ways that we're calling people to belong at our church, I think could be a huge factor in in our church going forward as we think through the next 20 years. Yeah. It's not about here's how how much we can just offer you, but here's a way to belong in Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah. So in this uh, in this episode, Jeff, we we've obviously touched on the history, but. You're also a guest on the on the final episode here, so let's swi- <laughs> let's switch it up to more almost how we would interview a traditional guest. Uh, I'd love to hit some more personal questions. Like as a senior pastor, uh, as a leader, uh, how do you take your you get your stress out? And I know you're probably gonna say, "Well, John, I study all day in the Word of God." <laughs> but what other ways besides being in the Word? Do, uh, I mean, all the stress. How how do you deal with it? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think. Um, I mean, I will come back to your personal time with the Lord is so essential. I mean, you, you just it forms can't get all else. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like obviously when COVID came, that was a huge stressful time. I mean, we're having to shut down, uh, the physical, you know, meeting together in the church. So you're going 13 weeks online, you know, we're running projections of like what happens with, you know, budgets and what happens with ministries and what happens with, you know, our staff. I mean, there was so many things that were coming. And I just knew, I was like, okay, I've got to have that time with the Lord. And so it's like the busier you get or the more stressed out you get, the more you need the time with the Lord. And what happens is we always think, well, I don't have time for it. I got to get to work. You know, I got to get up and I've got to get going. And you know, first thing you do is you look at your phone. First thing you do for most guys, right, is look at your emails, you look at your texts, you're looking at all the things that have come through that night. And instead, you just got to go, I got to push that away. And first thing I do, I got to look at God's Word. And so I love the daily step. I love that we prioritize that here at Rolling Hills. I love you can get on the Church Center app, and you can just pull up and read a, you know, chapter right now in Proverbs, and we're going to read and then and then spend some time in prayer. Just And so my time, I've journal, I've journal that, you know, every time I'm writing down, I'm trying to protect that because I know I've just got to have that. And, and, um, so that's been huge date nights for us. I mean, I, with Lisa, I've got to protect that. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, she's, she's a woman, she's emotionally stimulated. So, (laughs) and she needs time with me. And I remember when we first started, uh, we first married and, you know, we were going out and doing everything and, and, uh, she's like, Hey, I don't feel like we're spending time together. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, we're at, this church event, that thing, or this thing. She's like, no, me and you. Mm. She's like, remember when we were dating? It was just me and you. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. So uh, she needs that. Her you know, love language is quality time. So I, I, I've got to say, I've got to prioritize her. And, uh, and then, you know, my kids, man, they grow up fast, you guys. And I know everybody told me that growing, you know, but now taking my daughter to college, you know, for a sophomore year and dropping her off, you're going, I don't get this time back. And so those times at night when your kids come and want to crawl into bed with you and you're like, I'm so tired, you know, cherish that moment. You know, just cherish that moment, those times that you're driving along because you don't get them back. You know, soon they get a car and they take off and you're like, where y'all going? What's going on? You know, and um, we're really close as a family and I'm thankful for that and so grateful. But keeping those priorities, I think, is essential because there's always going to be a crisis. There's always going to be something. Uh, Worldwide events. 
You know, I mean, and you could just look at it. You can look at the political landscape even today. And you go, okay, I know what we're in for in 2024. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be crazy. I mean, right? we know it's coming. We know it's coming. <laughs> like, you know, and, you know, you know what's coming yeah. after that, yeah. right? Yeah. There's going to be just something out there. There's going to be things that are going to change. Uh, so getting the main thing, I think, is the only way to help with that stress. And then having, I'll come back to it, but having godly men around you. You know, when we started the church, uh, Lisa and I, you know, led a community group, and we've led a community group for 20 years. So 20 years of the church, we've led a community That's group. That's amazing. Every, and, and it's important to us. That's our time together. We minister together. We love together. We have great people in that. A lot of times we'll take a group for a year or two years, and then we send them off to, and raise up a leader, and they take a group. And now we have lots of groups that are multiplied out of that. But that's a priority for us, you know? Uh, and, you know, there's people who will go, well, my kid has a five-year-old soccer practice on Monday nights. So I'm like, really? You know, like, yeah, I mean, that's great. I get it. But but at the same time, you know, find soccer on Thursday. Find soccer on Saturday. But you've got to find a time that because my kids have grown up being in a community, my kids have grown up being in church. My kids now see that and they're walking with the Lord, praise the Lord, and they're going to face struggles. And so for them to say, I pray a healthy marriage for them to see they prioritize church and their relationship with the Lord and they prioritize us. That matters. That's awesome. Jeff, what, what does, uh, what would an average date night look like for you and Lisa? Okay, and I asked this. I asked because you like you know this is a, a podcast that everyone's been you know we try to hit vulnerability. Yeah, is especially for young dads for the busy parents. You know, I think so many times we we go on date nights and then it's like oh should we talk about the kids? Yeah. Should we talk about ministry? <laughs> like you know, and then you forget that hey like it's what Lisa said. I need us time. Yes, so. Okay, give us a little glimpse into what would an average date night uh, or a good date night look like for you guys? Well, it it has changed over yeah. the years, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's something that you have to really be intentional about. Because I remember some of those early years, it's like, man, how much is a babysitter? You know, it's <laughs> like, let's go to dinner and then the meter's running. I got to get home, you know, because this babysitter's <laughs> adding up quick. So a lot of those times would be like, hey, we're going to get dinner. And then we're going to go home, put the kids to bed, and then we'll watch a movie, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And then we'll have some time to talk. Uh, but they, like I said, they've just changed over the years. And then as the kids get older, you know, we can go to, to dinner and a movie. Some of those date nights were, let's go to Target, you know, because we just got to get some time to get some stuff done. But it's us together. You know, it's not her with the kids in a shopping cart. It's, it's us walking and talking. You know, and now we have a little bit more bandwidth where we can go – Hey, we'll go walk downtown Franklin and, yeah. you know, we'll get ice cream. And then you end up seeing a bunch of people, you know, which is always <laughs> fun too. Uh, but, you know, you just have to be intentional. And so I think reservations for us is a, is a game changer just to get out, you know, and not have a, a dinner at home. I mean, that's so important for us to have those family dinners. We protect those. But when we do a date night, we got to get a reservation at a, at a restaurant where we can get alone. I'll just say, hey, give us a table in the corner or a table on the side. Uh, and that we could talk and then we can look each other eye to eye. Um, you know, movies are fun, but you can't talk, you're, you know, yeah. you're, and you're laughing, but those things are fun. Um, so I, it, it really, they change and, and date nights can look all different, but the big thing for her is to see, I made that a priority. Yeah. I blocked a night out. I made a reservation. I brought her flowers. I, you know, that's important for her just to see that. And it's important for my kids to see that, to say, this is important to dad, you know, dad 
prioritize is mom. So um, they can look all kinds of different things, but the intentionality is the important part. Guys, if you've not bought Five Love Languages, go on Amazon yeah. right now. Yeah. And this is not a paid advertisement. Yeah. Just, I'm telling you for your own well-being in your marriage, because yep. that is how uh, you will really begin to learn and you know each take the quiz on what your love languages are. Because having a wife who sits there and sees how intentional you are about loving them well goes really far. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, that that's that was a great thank you. Thanks for sharing that wisdom. Oh. Uh, well, ha- have even fun just, on date nights. Oh yeah, have fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, have fun and. Um, yeah, and buy flowers every now and yeah. then. You know, just do something like you did when you were dating. And yes. I think we get out of that habit. Uh, and, man, those go a long way. I mean, that's a, hey, those go a long way. So hey, something amen. simple. How would you say, because uh, uh, I, I love seeing your your kid, your girls around church yeah. and stuff like that. And and they've come over to babysit. Yeah, they, no, they love you know, the kids. They, yeah, our kids love them. <laughs> um, and so, like, but how would you, as a the senior pastor, the lead shepherd here, you know, it, it's hard for me not to think that, like, you growing up as a dad, learning parenting, how has that influenced you in leading our church? And do you see direct correlations with that? Well, you know, I knew—I mean, I was a student pastor for 10 years. So I, when we planted Rolling Hills, I knew we really wanted to emphasize uh, preschool children and students. I really wanted to impact that next generation. And I think that has always been a priority as a church. I mean, our, the first hire we had, even before, like, I was hired, you know, we, I mean, we uh, we hired a, a children's pastor because we just said, you know, this is important uh, to give kids a spiritual foundation. I mean, we know all the statistics, but kids having a spiritual foundation impacts the rest of their life. So, and there's guys who come to know Christ at 40 or 50 or 60, but every one of them, you'll talk to them, they go, man, I just wish I'd known this sooner. I wish I would have foundation. I don't know the Bible like, you know, my, my kids do now. Uh, so that was important. And I didn't realize it at the time, but man, being a dad, cause we had kids right after we planted the church, but our kids have grown up here. And so our kids have been a part of receiving other adults pouring into them. And, you know, it, it's not just the, their friends who influence them. It's your parents, their parents' friends that influence them. And having their parents, friends who pour to them and teach them about Jesus and have a, give them a safety net, like if something happens, they've got other people. You know, as a parent, you can say one thing and your kids just look at you and they roll their eyes like, really? Come on, Dad, you know? And then somebody else says the exact same thing and they're going, wow, that was so good. Dad, did you? And I'm like, I'm telling you that all this time, you know? <laughs> so you need those people yeah. in your life, in your family. So my kids growing up here has been a, a game changer for us. And now, you know, they've preschool children, and now as student ministry, they get to serve. And so it's awesome to watch my kids come at 8 to the 8 o'clock worship service, and they always try to fill in the blanks, and, you know, they're always like, Dad, this was good. And then they go at 9.30, whether it's middle school, or they go to serve, and then they serve in kids' ministry, and then they, you know, serve in high school. Uh, It's been awesome to watch that. And then we took our—we did a family mission trip, and that was a big deal for them. You know, we do a lot of things with JMI, and we help— you know, start JMI, but, you know, going to Moldova, but we took Grace the first time to Moldova and she, it was, it was eye opening for her. She came back and was like, I didn't know people live like this, you know, like we're in a bubble here where we live. And so for her, it, it just changed the way she saw people. It changed the way she served. It changed the way she gave. I mean, she wanted to sponsor a child. Uh, and then we took our whole family to the Amazon and we're on a boat sleeping in hammocks and, 
and going and working in villages. And we came back from that, and that was two years ago, um, or a year and a half ago, I guess. And we came back, and my kids will tell you that's their favorite trip they've ever been on. And we've taken them to Hawaii before. And uh, they would go, we'd rather go there than Hawaii. We'd rather go there than any other place. And we've done national parks, which have been awesome. We love to travel with our kids. But our kids went, and they saw God work in them and through them. They developed friends. They saw the way other people live, and they saw generosity. They saw people who have nothing, and yet they worship Jesus And they saw churches there that were so filled with joy and that were alive. And they said, it's not about stuff, Dad. It's not about things. And I'm like, I know. You know, (laughs) so it's it's awesome. They got friends that they still keep up with. They're translators and, you know, the Amazon and um, who love Jesus. And then, you know, so getting your kids that kind of foundation, I think, is important and essential. And I think that's true for for us. I mean, now— even for our staff, you know, our staff going on mission trips, our staff serving, our staff raising their kids. I love our staff because we have such an incredible staff here at Rolling Hills and at JMI, but we all raise kids together, you know, and yeah. it's like we're in this and we we love it and we love each other's kids. And we're, we love that. But now even hearing dads talking about, you know, I want to I want my kid to serve. I want my kid to go on a mission trip. I want to do that with my kid. I want to take my kid to camp. I want to be a leader at camp. And uh, when you have those shared experiences, those shared spiritual defining moments, man, it, it's a game changer for your family and for generations, you know. And that's what they're—that's what I just see God doing right now. It's—it's it's a reminder that it takes a village to raise, to raise kids. Exactly. Because I mean, Noah's Noah's four, and we're already having those moments of, you know, I can tell him, "Hey, buddy, maybe let's not do that." Yeah. And then someone, a friend, uh, you know, comes up. Hey, I don't think you want to do that, but he's like, okay. You know, it's it's even that young. And so yeah. when we talk about it, you know, even growing into the teenage years and oh. college years, it's it's we need a village. And the people who I want my village to be, so to speak, are the people who were walking alongside us, in, obviously at church, because they're also pursuing Christ in the same way we are. Yeah. And so it's this is a community where we're all learning together to to submit and grow into to Christ-likeness. Yep. So who better to have on your side and friends and family uh, here to help parent your kids? Yeah. I, I, as staff, I think that's absolutely felt, is how do we model that? Mm-hmm. You know, from, from like you said, we the theme of this really is from top down. Mm. And so that's it's been great, Jeff. How would you... So uh, when you consider our church and our church history, uh, it's incredible to think after 20 years the greatest amount of growth in this church has come in the last few. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, numbers wise, and I mean that's a humbling thing to even think well, about. It's only God. I mean, it really is. It, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Where has all this stretched your leadership? What are the what are the leadership lessons that you're walking through right now? Yeah, I think it's it's you know it is a stretch, right? Growth's a stretch, and um, I think it's stretched me that. One, to be more firmly rooted in Christ. Uh, I want to, I pray I can teach and pastor and minister and through an overflow of what God's doing in my own heart, my own life. You know, I'm far from perfect, but man, that God's refining me, that God's, um, that refiner's fire in my life, that God's working in me. And I pray that I can be conformed to the image of Jesus, you know, and I, I recognize that I have a short amount of time and I just want to use it all for the glory of God. So that's been something I think that God's really just continued to 
my time with the Lord is is more and more essential, and it's harder to get. I mean, honestly, the the more growth they have, there's more needs, there's more funerals and weddings and you know prayer needs and hospital visits and everything. And I love so many people. I just love people, and I love our church. Uh, but there's sometimes I just got to go, man. I I've got to have this time with the Lord to continue to grow in Him. Uh, I think to I think the the leadership you start to realize you can't do it all anymore, you know, and you the delegation is in, so important, uh, and then empowering people to do ministry. You know, the great part about our church is we believe that every person through Christ is a minister and essential to this body, and so it's not just totally dependent on me or totally dependent on the staff. We, by God's grace, have incredible lay leaders. I mean, we were just talking even yeah. about. People in our church who are taking seminary classes, people in our church who are leading Bible studies, people in our church who are doing incredible things for the glory of God. And, and I just want to get out of the way, like empower them, encourage them, disciple them, and then let them do what God's called them to do. And I think sometimes, you know, you develop formal processes and then, you know, committees, and it, it just weighs <laughs> everything down and nothing gets done. And you're like, release the body to do it, you know, and empower people. So, that's been part of my, and then I think, you know, even as guys, you, you want that sense of, you know, I want to, I want to be a part of this or do this. And I think as you get older and wiser, maybe you, you take the joy in seeing other people do things. You know, I love our campus pastors. I love what God's doing, you know, in, in the, I just pray, you know, our campuses grow bigger than the main campus that, you know, it's like, I, I pray that I pray that they're thriving and they're just doing incredible things that, and, and I think as a, you know, it's kind of like being a parent. You want your kids to do even greater things. And uh, so I love that. I love when people go, oh, yeah, did you hear about what happened over there? I'm like, no, tell me about <laughs> it. You know? and, I, yeah. and so so that's that's exciting. It's it was, and it's so cool with the fact of at Rolling Hills. I mean, we already have a campus model that the the campus pastors preach every week, oh, yeah. you know, and, and so at many larger churches where they're streaming, yeah, uh, and campus pastors can be kind of delegated more to a managerial role. Mm. I mean, you, would you say this? I know you believe it because from the start, yeah. these are uh, campus pastors who are doing it all. Oh, yeah. You truly believe, I we're putting them in a place to please shine and outgrow. Yes. you know, and and I think it's I think it's great, and uh, you're. you're uh, releasing how, how should i say this uh i i have figured out this a little bit in my ministry career but it's still growing um even to this day is how to get the best version of yourself as a pastor leader shepherd sometimes it actually means doing less so others can be formed and do more yeah and it's re about releasing control mm. and letting god develop other people because you can't do it all right and that i mean uh, was there was there a time in ministry though when when you hit a I just can't do all this, and, and was that in the last five years? Was it even before that? Like, oh yeah, it was before okay. that. So. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. it the movie theater days? Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, movie, yeah, movie theater days were were exciting. I mean, we were growing there. We never had a lease, so that was always stressful. Mm -hmm. For five years, we set up a teardown and. It was just every week to week, and so God just kept opening the door, kept going, but it kept us dependent on the Lord too. You know, you you had to pray and go, okay, God, I guess we're having church Sunday because uh, you know. But it just kept growing. I think when we moved in here into the warehouse, that was a big step, and all of a sudden, you know, this this place, um, you know, launching Nolansville, starting JMI was a big deal, you know, and that was the missions part of it. 
uh, those were big times. But I do remember one time I was, I was like, oh, I gotta get this sermon ready, and I, I went out. Uh, a friend had a cabin, and so I was like, I'm just gonna go, and I'm just gonna study for these five hours, and, I, and just, I just had to get away. I was like, I just, and I go out there, and I pulled out all, you know, my. Bible, I had my computer set up, and I thought, I'm just going to lay down for a minute. And then I woke up five hours later. You know? I was like, wow. I think I was just totally exhausted. Yeah, you know? And yeah. I think God you know, was like, okay, you just, you just need a break sometimes. So, so there is that, that, those times when you know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you could do is just rest, right? The, the Sabbath, the Shabbat. So that, I think those are those times. Going to Israel has been a great thing. You know, we lead a biblical study tour uh, to Israel, and uh, you know, just getting there is always a time of refreshment for me, being in the Word uh, for those, you know, two weeks. And it's, it's life-changing for people who go. And then I think missions is always—it's it, a reset. When I go to the Amazon or when I go—we lead the pastor's conference down at the Amazon, and you have these jungle pastors that come from all over. And, and you just think, I don't do anything for the gospel. I mean, these people are preaching on Sunday mornings, walking three hours through the jungle, fighting off snakes, and preaching in another church— you know, because they love Jesus, and it just it, God's moving. I mean, like God is transforming lives. I mean, they're seeing people raised from the dead. Like, oh, that person was dead for you know. I'm like, excuse me, wait, what? Run that <laughs> say back. That again. Yeah, say that again. <laughs> they were dead. Yeah, and I mean, you're just like God is alive and moving. So having those times are refreshing. I mean, whether it's you know the Amazon or Moldova. And, and then, you know, like I go to summer camp a lot, you know, with my kids. And I just love seeing God work in those next generation times. So I think if you can get so caught up in the managerial part, you can get so caught up in the administrative side. And sometimes you just need to pull your head up and go, God is moving. Uh, baptisms do that for me, too, on Sundays. You know, I mean, it's like every Sunday somebody's being baptized. And there's a different story of how God's used somebody in their life or as a parent's baptizing a child or even a child baptizing their grandmother. You're like— Wow. You know, so you just, those things are powerful because people are sharing their faith. People are sharing the gospel. So yeah, I, I get, I stay pretty amped up about what God's doing, but there every now and then you're just like, okay, I need to, I need to be still and know that he is God. I was know? just going to say, I'm sure some listeners are like, does Jeff ever stop? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, does that mean Lisa schedules the vacations? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah. But it's great. Cause uh, I mean, the, I, I, as a senior pastor, see how passionate you are. It's just, I mean, uh, it, it exudes out of you. And so it, it helps, I think, create that culture of you have to be passionate about ministry. Mm. You know, no one's in this for the money. No one's, no. it's, it's, uh, y if you want to find value in your work and, and stuff like that, there's many career choices. Your people who are in ministry are doing this because they love the Lord and want to share the gospel. And that is something that, uh, for the last 20 years, I think you've consistently modeled how to passionately do mm. it. And that it's been great just the last 10 months to watch that, you know? Uh, so what advice would you have for young, the younger generations um, in the church as you think about the next 20 years? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think there's going to be challenges in the next 20 years. I mean, there, I don't think there's a doubt. I think people saw COVID and they thought, wow, this is an anomaly, and, like, this is never going to happen again or something. You know, this is, you know, it, it's just out of the blue. And you're going, well, man, it's horrible, and it was horrific. And, and uh, But by God's grace, he's brought us through that. But there's always been wars and pandemics and natural disasters. There's fires. I mean, there's just there's things that are going to be challenging in every one of our lives. And so 
staying grounded in God's word, holding on to him, and setting your priorities, right? And for guys, I mean, we, we tend to get busy with our jobs, and so we elevate our jobs over God. We elevate our jobs over our family, and, and you can't. Um, you just watch that too many times lead you down a path of isolation, and uh, you chase after money and success and all this, and you miss it. And so you have to keep those priorities straight. God's first, right? And so prioritizing church, prioritizing your personal time with the Lord, uh, prioritizing getting into a versus group, getting into a community group somewhere where you've got other people around you, prioritizing your marriage, your family. Uh, you've you've got to keep those priorities, and then your job. So, you know, this is so important because there's guys who, man, I've got this promotion, and, and I'm going to move, and I'm going to make so much more money. And you're like, well, have you prayed about it? Because maybe God doesn't want you to. And then you just run after the money, you run after success, and you just watch your path drift. I would say that, you know, is so many times in, in staff or in ministry, but personally, you have to know what God's called you to do. Um, you know, when God called us 20 years ago, I said I'm going to keep the Lord first. This is this is His call, and I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to serve Him wholeheartedly all of my life. I want to just run through that finish line. Two, I'm going to keep our marriage. There's no, I, mean, I want to prioritize that in our family. Uh, and then whatever God wants to do from there, great. But I, I'm just like, this is a thing. And so I'd say for the next 20 years, you know, there's going to be other challenges. There's going to be other things that are going to happen. But man, if you keep those priorities straight, that is the way that God's going to use you to impact not only your life and your marriage and your family, but generations for the glory of God. Stay faithful, God. Stay faithful. It, it, and that's the thing. It, you know, we, we idolize the wealthy. We idolize the celebrities. We idolize those things in our culture. And you just watch, and those things come and they go. But man, the men of the Lord, right? I mean, that that's Psalm 1, right? I want to be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. You know, it's just being by that stream of water, being nourished in the Lord, and then yielding fruit in season. And that's where you're going to prosper. That's great, Jeff. And I, and I, <clears throat> I mean, I think many churches through the pandemic learned, man, or evaluated where are our priorities. Yeah. And it, it seems like the pandemic in some ways was, was healthy because it, it helped reset priorities within churches of have and we, individuals. Ha, yeah. Have we trained, have we equipped our family, our church yeah. family uh, to go through something like that? Yeah. And in some ways, like the call to discipleship seems deeper than oh, ever. Yes. So that we can have a great flourishing church. Yep. And that it's not just about, hey, how many people can we get in on a Sunday? It's about the quality of those people that we're, we're raising up. Yeah. That's why, I mean, when we think reaching out, we want to reach out. Yeah. We want to grow you up and we want to help, you know, give all. Yes. And so it, it's pull, that through line, pulling people all the way through seems like a deeper commitment to that than ever because people need it more than ever. Yeah. You know, in that uh, people are, I think people are desiring it as well with their walk with Jesus more than any other times. I think our, our awareness of our brokenness seems so clear these days. Yeah. I think we were confronted with our own mortality. Yes. I think everybody yes. all of a sudden went, whoa, yep. I could die. Now yep. we knew that before, but it just yep. didn't even resonate with us. Right. But now all of a sudden it's like, what am I going to do with my life? What really matters? What really counts at the end of the day? And you're and sitting, I, sitting at home with your spouse, who yeah. maybe more time than you've ever had with them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Do we have a healthy relationship? Yeah. Do yep. we love each other? Do we want to stay together? You know, yep. like, are we growing in the Lord? Yeah. And how am I raising my family? And how am I making a difference? You know, and I, I just think 
we all get one shot at life. Yep. We all get one opportunity. There's no do-overs, right? And so if you miss it, you know, it's just like heartbreaking. But I think that's what the pandemic did is like, man, I'm on a wrong path. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's been a lot of people who've left church, but there's been a lot of people who've come back to church to Amen. say, I'm going to be grounded in what really matters because I can't take any of this stuff with me. And I want at the end of my life, people to look back and go, wow, you know, my dad was a man of God. You know, my dad was faithful. My dad was consistent. My dad invested in us, you know. So I think that's where people now, you're talking about disciples, that people are going, this matters. This matters. You're seeing it all over the place, right? You're just seeing life change happen right now. So I love living in this time. I'm like, let's go. I, I, you know? there, there, there is a irony in the fact of, I think, the greater friction we have. Yes. That um, I am a little bit joyful in the suffering. Yeah. Uh, except sometimes when the suffering gets so bad, you're like, why God? You know? Yeah. Uh, it's but it's there, hard. But it's there not is easy. That, yep. It, there yeah. is that level of like, I don't know, maybe for us as the American church, it's it's actually been a healthy stimulant yeah. towards greater dependency upon God. and. Uh, maybe we can see a revival out of it. Yeah. And so, uh, Jeff, this whole episode has been great. I wish we could go uh, another <laughs> hour or so. This uh, is fun, John. Yeah, let, let's I love turn it. this into a four-hour episode. Yeah. Uh, no, we won't do that to you. Um, what I'm going to end with the question that you've asked everyone. <laughs> and and uh, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, mm. but I would love to, to hear you uh, finish the final episode, the grand finale of MLN, Jeff, what would you like your legacy to be? Yeah, I I just simply want it to be about Jesus. You know, I want I want I mean I could be die and be forgotten. You know, in that Jesus' name is made great. You know, um, if people remember anything about me, I wanted, you know, he loved the Lord, right? He loved his family. You know, he loved God's church. Uh, he loved the least, the last, the lost. Uh, wanted to make a difference for the glory of God. And uh, point others to Jesus. You know, that's it. I mean, you know, First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty eight has always been my life verse. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, and I just want to stand firm and let nothing move me and point people to Jesus, you know, because I know that's not in vain. I know when Jesus impacts, like we said, a man's life, right? It impacts not only them, he impacts their marriage. He impacts you know, their business, their job. He impacts their church, their kids, impacts their school. He impacts generations. And so, man, for the glory of God, let's be a part of that. Let's do it all. Well, Jeff, thank you so much again. And I am very excited for all that uh, you're going to be doing. And uh, I'd love to pray for you as we as we head out on this last episode. I love it. Thanks, John. Lord, I just I thank you for all that you've done uh, in, in Jeff's life, Lord, that um, your goodness, Lord, exudes out of him, and that mm. that everything we've touched on in this episode, it reminds me of the fact of, Lord, you come first. And when you come first, mm -hmm. the things that you've te taught us, the things that, the way you make us feel loved, we can now love others. Yes. We can now impact others for your glory because we know who you are, because we feel you so intimately in our lives, Lord. I just thank you for giving Jeff and Lisa the conviction, the courage, mm -hmm. the faith to start this church. Lord, to, uh, that everything that they've done, the baby steps in building this church that many may never even know, Lord, I just thank you for giving them that heart to walk through that season, even when it wasn't easy. Lord, that uh, you see it, that we now see a, b a bigger building, but Lord, uh, 
there's probably been times in their in their marriage, uh, in their parenting where it just feels like, man, this is such a stretching season, Lord. Mm. But you are so good. Mm-hmm. You are the God who brings us through all that. And to see them now in just this season, it's a precious moment and a mm. reminder for all of us. So, Lord, I just thank you for what you've done in them uh, and the way that they model it to us, that to always put our marriages first, to put our relationship with you first, mm-hmm. Lord, to love our kids well. Uh, so that they see the type of uh, relationship, the type of faith that they one day too hopefully will accept and then lead out as well, mm-hmm. Lord. I just thank you for all that you're doing at this church, Lord, the way uh, you've moved us here and mm-hmm. all the ways that you're going to in the future move through the men and women of Rolling Hills. It's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. And man, we are praying for you and thankful for you. This is the last Men's Leadership Network. Blessings on you. You've been listening to the Men's Leadership Network podcast. We pray that what you've learned today will be helpful as you strive to become a better leader in your home, your workplace, and community. Thanks for listening.